Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Roberta. Hi, everybody. I'm Roberta, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I just love seeing all your smiling faces and being here with you. I've been saying recovered compulsive overeater because that's what the big book promises us. We are over 100 men and women who have recovered from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And I have recovered from that seemingly hopeless state of mind. It didn't happen overnight. It happened through a long time. And I'm the, in the tortoise and the hare story. I was always the hare. I needed to do it quickly. And I never looked back. But Overeaters Anonymous has not been like that at all. And uh, it's very humbling. I'm, I'm just so happy to be with you. First of all, congratulations to all the chip takers. That's fabulous. And it's so wonderful to be speaking to such a large number of people. And, um, you know, I didn't have to get in my car and think about if I'm going to find a parking place and on and on and on. So there are some, uh, some benefits of the Zoom. What it used to be like. I was uh, born into a family of compulsive eaters. Food was very much part of showing love. My dad was in a luncheonette business. So it just, um, we always prepared twice as much, triple as much as you needed. Um, so my first lie was, who ate the cup? Did you eat all those cupcakes? And I was probably five, four, five, six years old and blamed it right on my sister. And that was kind of my pattern. I never took responsibility for anything, the cupcake or knocking over whatever. Um, by sixth grade, I was 125 pounds. And when they shouted the weight across the gym floor, it was very shaming. By eighth grade, I had risen to 213 pounds. Um, the whole family was, you know, get Roberta on a diet. And so it, it, my whole family was, we lived our life pub publicly. And, and um, it, was, it was humiliating. My aunt took me to one of these places where the machines were going to massage the weight right off me. And they were measuring my arms and measuring my thighs. And you can imagine in eighth grade how I felt at 213 pounds. So my whole, my whole eating career was just like yours. I tried every diet that I could think of. The cabbage diet, the hard-boiled egg diet, shots and pills, uh, commercial weight loss organizations and uh, you know whatever the latest was I was doing it um, when I tried to get a job I I was you know I was I don't know how much overweight but I was overweight I was going to be a teacher in New York City I had passed the um, 
the written exam and they had an oral exam, but then they had the physical exam and I wore a very light thing because I didn't want to weigh too much on the scale. And the woman just embarrassed me, you know, you know, how can you come dressed for a job interview in a little light duster? In those days, you know, we were wearing the panty girdles and the suit and all spiffied up. And um, anyway, I weighed too much. So I didn't pass the test. And they said, well, we'll give you a month, you know, take off 20 pounds. And anybody who ever tells me to do anything, I don't have a very, you know, I'm a defiant person. That's what the big book tells me. That's the basic characteristic of an alcoholic. And uh, food always soothed me. It was, uh, you know, I always ate too much. I got fat. I didn't like myself. I went on a diet. I was always successful losing weight and then went up again. So I've been humiliated, you know, more than the eighth grade. My husband still thinks I'm so sensitive and he tries to lighten it up and tease me. And I find it so hard to be teased because all I hear are those high school boys calling me names on my walk home from, you know, it was like the walk of shame. And, and I couldn't wait to get into the house and to soothe myself with all goodies, you know, whatever was in the house. And there was plenty in the house. My dentist was the one who, uh, 12 step me because being a compulsive eve all my life and being a sugar you know person who loved sugar my teeth were terrible the caps were always falling out the crowns were always falling out the bridge was crooked and thank god for implants 20 years ago i gave myself a gift and i redid my mouth with implants and but anyway, my dentist knew what I was doing, and he 12-stepped me into Overeaters Anonymous, and I'm forever grateful to him, Gary Davidson. Uh, uh, I went to a meeting. It was 1979. You gave me a diet. It was a blue sheet. I followed it. I called my sponsor every night. I told her what I was going to eat. She gave me an assignment to do, and it was kind of another diet, but okay. They had 12 steps. Right away when you, when I first heard about, you know, when I first got into the room, uh, the first thing I heard was that it was a disease and it wasn't my fault. And you had me right there. I had always thought, why do I have this lack of willpower when it comes to losing weight? Because I'd been up and down. When I joined OA, I was over 240 pounds. I was miserable. You know, on the outside, I had two kids, I had a house in the suburbs, but I was an angry, miserable person, very unhappy with myself, very unhappy with, you know, I blamed the world for everything. Like our step book says, I never grew up. Excuse me. When I've spoken that light a candle before, I know you always give me a nice drink of water, so I brought my own water bottle. So I know I'm going to kind of be all over the place, but I want to just, I just thought about the word pause and I want to put that right out there because it took me a long time to see that word on page 87 in the big book. We pause when agitated. 
I never knew there was such a thing as a pause button. I never say, I'll get back to you. I have to make the decision on the spot. Somehow I thought I had to be perfect and know all the answers. And if I didn't know them, I could fake them. But I never said, I don't know. That was like shameful to admit that I don't know something. So anyway, I had a lot to learn when I came in here. And I came in and I've been, I'm proud to say that I celebrated my 80th natal birthday in October. So it's been over 40 years that more than half my life, I've now been in program. And wow, there is such a difference. The first 40 years, like I say, you know, I was, I was brought up to succeed and, but it didn't matter. I grew up in the city in New York and, you know, it's like you elbow your way into the subway. I didn't care. I was that tornado in the big book, roaring my way through the lives of people. I didn't care who I stepped over, who I hurt. I was not a very nice person. And for the last 40 years, you've been working on me. God's, God's come into my life, which I'll talk a little bit about but I am a different person. I am not the person who walked in at 240 pounds, miserable, angry, blaming the world for everything. Today, I'm grateful to say I count my gratitudes every night. You know, I was nervous about speaking, so the best thing that I do to prepare is to write, and I wrote like five pages, <laughs> it's like, I don't have to write anything. It's my story. I know it. I'll tell it to you. So um, I'll show, I wanted to share one or two pictures. This is when I first came into program. I think probably you can see it. There I was. And there's another picture of me, 240 pounds, not happy. And even at my, six, my sweet 16, uh, there I am holding a sheet cake. You know, it was always all about the food. You can't, I came in, you told me it was a disease. I loved it. You told me that I need to get a God of my understanding. And I was just, I couldn't do that part of it. I'll do the rest of it. I'll work the steps. I got a sponsor and I did work the steps. I really, I healed emotionally. I was able to go to a therapist because of this program. I lost 100 pounds in 10 months. I kept it off for eight months. And then I took the first proverbial string bean and I was off and running because I always thought I had to do it perfectly. And um, thank God I now have a kinder, gentler voice with myself and therefore with everybody. And I realize I don't, there's no such thing as perfection. My sponsor always says, you need to fail forward. I am happy to say that um, I've been failing forward for 18 years because the miracle happened in 2002. So I joined in 1979, I have a year and a half, I'm star AA, a star OA, here, there, and everywhere. And then I fell flat on my face. And just like, you know, once I start with the cookie, I had to finish the bag. Well, that's what happened. Gained back only 50 pounds. So something, something took from the working the steps, doing a fourth step, 
and all that work that I did. Um, but my relapse was 22 years of a few days um, relapse. Uh, slipping and sliding and trying, a, uh, maybe if I get a f harsher food plan, maybe if I get a different sponsor, and maybe if I have a different, you know, meditation practice, looking for the answer out there. When I finally, in 2002, I had retired from teaching already, I was miserable and like, you know, when is life gonna get good? And I was on a sidewalk. Bill B., an old, per, an old timer, had written a book and he said, you know, I wanna live in the penthouse. I come in, I'm in the gutter. You clean me up a little, I'm on the sidewalk, but I wanna be in the penthouse. And for those 22 years, I would say I was on the sidewalk. I was much better than I had been. I had a fellowship, we'd go out for meals, we went into the city together, we saw shows, we made a book club, we played mahjong together. I loved the fellowship, I worked the steps. I was very involved but God was nowhere to be found. And finally, in February of 2002, I was recovering from shoulder surgery. I was in a bookstore and I picked a book and it reminded me of when I was happiest in my life. In the 80s, when I was living and breathing program, when I was just so full of the excitement of growing and learning and developing and connecting. So I knew I needed a God in my life. I knew that I needed a personal God in my life, and I picked a sponsor who was spiritual. How did I know she was spiritual? She used to drive within the speed limit. What? I always thought the speed limit was where you begin. So she was just a vision of recovery. She wasn't the thinnest person in the room. She was just the most peaceful, sane, feeling around her. So she encouraged me to, you know, write the ad, what do you want your higher power to be? And what words make you think of God? And I started from scratch. I had a vague understanding of God. You know, in the early days, in the 80s, we used to have these yearly conventions at the Concord. And I remember when Richie from LA came, and he was quite a celebrity. And he said, my higher power is Magic Johnson. It doesn't matter who your higher power is, just get one. So I finally in 2002 got one. I am trying to connect every day with my God. My God is totally loving and accepting and my cheerleader and wants everything good for me. And I've learned to nourish that connection by starting my day with meditation and prayer. And uh, I listened to my sponsor. She tried to get me to do this years ago. And, um, and now it's just, it gives me a routine. I'm a person who does well with routine. And that's why, I mean, this is my third Zoom meeting today. I get up every Saturday morning, I go to the Burbank 7.30 meeting. And usually then at nine o'clock, I go to the kitchen sink because I can do both meetings now. I don't have to make a choice. But today I went to the July 4th in the park. There were three outstanding speakers. And now, and then I was, of course, nervous all afternoon, uh, thinking about the night. But I was able to get myself out of myself by making two phone calls. That always does the trick when I remember to do that.
So I don't even know where I am, but um, it's God, God of my understanding. So God is, um, I decided to start seeking spiritual guidance. Somebody was, because a lot of people in program had these spiritual uh, mentors. And um, the person that I went to kept saying to me, well, can you bring God into this? Close your, what would God say to you? And, and many of us have done exercises of letters that God writes to you. And I always find them wonderfully uh, just soothing because we are very hard on ourselves. And uh, even doing, you know, working the steps, it's hard because step four, we have to uncover everything and it takes a lot of courage. And then to admit to another person in step five, you know, it's hard. And then we're working six and seven and asking God to remove them. And I mean, judgmental, I, I've gone to retreats and I've done the Phoenix where I've thrown my judgment into the fire and it's still there. It's still there. But lately I've been reading more books about self-compassion, self-acceptance, making room for the judge, maybe call it the guardian, not the judge. So anyway, I mean, this program has given me a life. I used to be a liar and a cheat. I was not honest. I stole from my job. I, I would say whatever came into my mind, honesty was not one thing. Step one, the principle behind it we learn is honesty. So first of all, I have to be honest with my food. For many years, I had a very, I, there were things that I didn't eat. They were very strict. I'd only eat sugar if it was fifth or less. And through the years, that has changed. Now, my food plan might kill you and your food plan might kill me, but it's not about the food plan. It's getting a food plan that you're comfortable with, that you can lose your weight with or gain your weight with or maintain your weight with, that you can be happy with and live in that penthouse. So I don't care how you get your food plan, a nutritionist, your own way, have a food plan that resonates with you. And if you're lucky and God has removed the obsession and the compulsion, uh, for today I can eat anything in moderation. And I define my abstinence as not hurting myself with food. I, I, I'm, okay, I'm just checking the time. So honesty was something I did not. And let me tell you a little honesty story. I was, uh, and the, they had rain checks when they were out of something in the supermarket. So I had rain check for Russian dressing. And um, the day of the sale, they were 49 cents each and you can buy as many bottles as you want. But my, my little rain check said that I could only buy five, three bottles, I think it was. So of course I was always making deals with God. Well, if you let me buy all 10 bottles, I'll pay for this gum. I took some gum off the rack as I was checking out and put it in my pocket. And of course, I could only buy the number on the rain check. So um, I never said anything about the gum, went about my merry way. And as I'm driving, I put the groceries in my car. And as I'm driving out of the, out of the uh, parking lot, I see everybody scrambling after these $20 bills all over. And I realized I had had um, 
I had gone to the ATM and I had taken out money and I was wearing a wallet around my neck and it was totally open and the money was gone. And it was just such a God shot for me. My first real big honesty God shot and I've cleaned it up and it's just wonderful feeling honest. So we do a lot of work in six and seven, I'm judging myself and I've got the character defects and I'm trying to make room for forgiveness. And uh, I made an amend. I thought I had made all my amends. And I really, I, I keep my, my street clean. I do a 10 step every day. I do the, it's not really a 10 step. The reflection at night, step 11, where you go through your day and you, you know, was I selfish, dishonest, resentful? What's going on with me? Could I have done something better? And a, an old resentment came up from years ago, 10 years ago, that I was able to make this week. So, and it just lightened my heart. It's amazing. Um, I never wanted to do a 10 step at night. I always said, I'm too tired at night. I can't do it. But um, a few years ago, I joined a gratitude group. So that I was able to do, write my gratitudes at night and send an email. And lately I've expanded it more now. And I do my 10 step as well as the gratitudes. And I just look at page 86 at, you know, there was, we complicated. We used to have 10 step worksheets with 50 things on it and seven, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I love all our literature. For me, I work the steps using all our literature and I've done many four steps. And, um, and like I say, I do a mini 10 step. My relationships today are amazing. I have a really good relationship with my husband. Um, I have great relationships with my kids and I'm very lucky because my daughter's son-in-law and four and a half year old grandson live two houses from me. And so we're socially distancing together. So um, what can I say? I want to, um, I just want to say that for anyone who's new to program, this is the answer. This is the answer. You never have to be alone again. The fellowship, the the feeling that we have for each other the connections that we make lifelong friends lifelong friends and anybody is willing to help I sponsor a lot of women I love sponsoring because I get to see and hear myself and I need to do it I need to still go to at least five meetings a week now I've been abstinent it's over 18 years and there's no less need to go to meetings and before and if I'm getting cranky about the meeting and getting all judgy I put in my other glasses I've been taught in this program to change the glasses what can I give to the meeting? what can I do maybe put my hand up and share or just this program has the 12 steps gave me what I guess other people get from the Ten Commandments I never had a spiritual direction now I do. This design for living is wonderful. It will keep me, it will keep me young, it will keep me open-minded, and it will keep me keeping on, trudging the road together. Um, let's see, what, what do I want to say? If you're struggling, you know, you always stay, you know, here, stay in the rooms, keep coming back, Try something new. Try listening to podcasts. 
you know, Google something, get out some books, just try to brighten it up. And, and, and um, you know, when all else fails, call somebody else and ask them how they're doing. Um, I don't know if you have to get abstinent before you work the steps or work the steps and then you'll get abstinent. It doesn't matter. You do have to keep the action going. I start my day, as I said, with my meditation and prayer. I have a little God box that goes with me wherever I go. I have pictures in it. I have prayers in it. I have wonderful rocks in it. It's, it's compact and everything's in it and that's all I need. Years ago, I made a part of my house my meditation room and that encouraged me to, to do it daily. I think that's important to connect with God. And somebody earlier on in the day, I was hearing, you know, they talk to God when they drive and that, you know, I haven't driven for a few months now, but I used to drive a lot and I always found God very soothing in the car. I, um, I see I have a minute left because I would like to leave time for questions. I'm sure that, um, you know, I've left out bits and pieces, but the deal is I came in, I was unhappy. I was 240 pounds. Now I'm happy, joyous, and free. I'm 140 pounds. Life is fabulous. Life is great. Yes, aging is inevitable, but you don't have to get old. So um, that's what I wanted to share, and I'm going to open it up for uh, questions. Thank you so much, Roberta. So the way that we're going to do questions, guys, is if you have, I'm going to open up the chat now. Um, so if you have a question that you'd like to type, you can type it in the chat. Um, or if you would like to ask it verbally, we just ask if you could press participants and then raise hand, and then I'll call on you. Okay, it looks like we have a question from Joanna. Um, let me unmute you. Okay, go ahead, Joanna. Joanna, anorexic bulimic and a compulsive eater. Um, thank you, Roberta, so much. So nice to see everybody. I used to attend this meeting a lot and, um, and when I was living in Los Angeles, but I've been home in New York City for many years, but it's great to see a lot of familiar faces. Um, Roberta. <laughs> As a woman of a certain age, things change. I, I try to be subtle about this, right? Our body changes, stuff shifts, metabolism slows down. I find that um, as I mature, um, my eating disorder gets very interested in or activated by um, things that are happening that are out of my control in the aging process as a woman. I'm curious if you could share the experience, strength, and hope around that. <laughs> okay, I'll try. I, um, first of all, LA offers a fantastic body image workshop. And if you missed it, they're going to do it in the Valley on July 18th. So I absolutely recommend that. It really deals with the issue. You know, unfortunately, by the time that I got to my ideal weight, 
you know, I'm going to have the cellulite in the thighs and, and the, the little spare tire here. I, I never had a thin waist and now I'm kind of like SpongeBob SquarePants. And uh, I, I do an affirmation. My sponsor is, you're a beautiful woman inside and out. I look in the mirror every day and say it. I look at myself nude and I think about, you know, all the scars and all the functions and all the things that my body has done for me and I just turn it into gratitude. And I do have fat days. I think we all do. And, uh, you know, somebody said to me, uh, you know, fat is not a feeling. So try to just let it go. Great, thank you. Um, our next question comes from Victoria. Um, she would like to know what ended up being your abstinence after you stopped the restrictive food plan? I've had uh, a number of different food plans. Um, I've used the commercial weight loss to, you know, but right now it's calories. Uh, I've always been a calorie person. As a young person, I bought those little red calorie books and I knew you know, we know the calories of everything. And I don't know, I don't do it excessively. I know it's about this many calories. And, uh, and then I try to add exercise. And, and the bottom line is I use a scale and that tells me what the number is. And that's, that's my proof. And, uh, you know, I've gone up to as high as 150 pounds. I didn't like it. I was still abstinent, but maybe I was eating heavier meals. It's not always, you know, today I just, I eat three meals a day. Uh, basically, you know, I eat carbs, I eat everything, but uh, it always feels like not as much as I'd like to eat. So uh, my abstinence is just, uh, you know, my eating to maintain and to get to a healthy body weight. Great. Any other questions, guys? We still have uh, about six minutes. Um, Diane in the chat would like to know, what would you suggest to a person who cannot get abstinent? What would I suggest to a person who, could not, who cannot get abstinent? Well, uh, you know, when you're, when you're in the throes of the disease, it's very hard to receive love from people. And, um, we have a saying, don't leave until the miracle happens. And I would just, you know, say to people that we don't know, you know, you can be in the dregs of the disease and I can remember crying into my half gallons of ice cream and my, my cookies and, and being surrounded with my pretzels and just crying because I couldn't stop that demoralizing crying. And then, you know, the next day, I'm, I'm going to do it better. And it just, it just never happened. But I kept going to program. I went to pro, I, I, I remember being embarrassed because I was eating, I had bought a, the Haagen-Dazs, I think they came three pops and a thing of chocolate. And I was driving to an OA meeting and I was eating my three Haagen-Dazs pops. I went to the meeting and then when I left the meeting, I saw the chocolate stain all down my front. It's, you know, I've been there. And I don't know what flips the switch. None of us did, because if we did.
did, we'd be a billionaire. But one day that switch just flips. So keep yourself coming to meetings. Keep yourself reading the literature. Listen to podcasts. Do it, do it, do it. Because eventually the miracle will happen. Thank you. Our next question is, um, we, they would like to know, she would like to know if you could talk about your most meaningful emotional recovery. Ah, my most meaningful emotional recovery. Um, I want to say that it's with my children. I think so, because my son became an Orthodox rabbi, and um, I thought this was in my days of trying to find the higher power, that it had to be his way. And through program and spirituality, I came to see that I am a person, and I'm entitled to my own belief. And he's very strong, and I support him, but I don't have to do what he does. My daughter is very scared about the virus. She doesn't want me to go anywhere or do anything. And pretty much in this time, if you want to, if I want to see, you know, be with them all the time, I have to do what she wants. So I have learned in this program to talk it out with my kids, to tell them how I'm feeling, to not let them diminish me in some way and think that I have to be their way. It was very hard for me to find my voice with them. And I'm so grateful that now I think enough about myself that I can be who I am, whether I'm with my son or my daughter or whoever. So I would say I would pick my children, my relationship with my children. They respect me and I respect them. Great. Um, Emma would like to know, has your relationship with your husband changed from pro or with program? Oh my God. I'm so glad you mentioned that because he used to be the bad guy in my story. And you know, like it was always, well, my husband doesn't like to do this and he doesn't do that. And, and, and it's like the, <laughs> the story in the big book, acceptance was the answer when Dr. Paul realized that it was he going into the crazy house and not his wife, Max. So I am so selfish and self-centered that my husband goes along. I want to move to LA, he moves to LA. And then I'm still diminishing him and not respecting him. And this program has taught me to just shut up, stop being so selfish, ask God to help you see it differently, and Mickey is cheering and I'm cheering too because I now, I now have a wonderful relationship with my husband. And so during this time of isolation, we've rekindled the flame and it's just lovely. We can be playful with each other and remember how it was when we met. So uh, yeah, this program has taught me ROTAP, restraint of tongue and pen from the from the 12 and 12 on step 10, the AA 12 and 12, restraint of tongue and pen. And I really, I no longer want to prove that I'm right. You know, uh, many people in programs say, do you want to be right or do you want to be loved? I want to be loved. 
Perfect. And that's all the time we have for questions. Let's give it up for Roberta. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. And then I'll turn it over to Lucy. Everyone. Thank you for asking.